0: Yes, I'm going to record this. Okay. Um, now, uh, some of you would have, would have met them um, possibly from other times that they've presented here, and then Chris actually preached here in the, on a Sunday morning just uh, about three or so weeks ago. So some of you are going to be familiar with them already, but you all are missionaries in Bolivia. Bolivia. So we're going to learn hopefully a little bit about, um, about Bolivia tonight. Now, I think, Joy, you're from Chattanooga originally.
1: That's right. Are
0: you both from Chattanooga? Chattanooga area. I was from North Georgia, so went to Ringgold High School. Ringgold High School. And then Joy, you actually went to?
1: Yeah, I graduated from Grace.
0: From Grace Academy. Grace
1: Academy right here. Before Uh, it started in fourth grade when they opened the doors. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then finished out with Cheryl Howe back there.
0: (laughs) Cheryl was raising the roof. (laughs) <laughs> Very good. So um your so North Georgia, Chattanooga area, I guess your parents both worked around here. Like what got, tell us a little bit about the families you grew up in? Christian homes and like what did your parents do? Do you have siblings? Yeah,
1: so my um my parents were believers. I was born and raised in the church. Um I'm one of five kids. I'm number three. There's a seven year gap between me and my older sister. My parents had a boy and a girl, waited, they were finished. And then my sister and dad talked them into having more. So then I came along and my younger brother and sister. Um, yeah, so there, I'm one of five. In, yeah, we were raised in a Christian so home. What did your and dad do? My dad, my dad had a newspaper route that became, grew to be like the largest in Chattanooga. He also, and then he started a lawn business and my mom stayed home and he was able to put us all through private school christian school all five of us um on that one income so it's pretty awesome very good yeah
2: and chris yeah um my dad worked for tva in sequoia and my mom stayed at home i we went to a, a church that was across the road from our house it was a mainline liberal church and I don't remember ever hearing the gospel growing up and I don't think any of our family any members of our family were believers um, so the Bible wasn't really taught it was more of a story and kind of a moral lesson every Sunday so even
0: your parents at that time weren't believers you know? no okay. I don't
2: think so and I'm not I'm still not sure about okay. my one of my parents okay. uh, so um, yeah anyway that was it and went to Ringgold High
0: School yeah, yeah. okay now, so growing up, you went to Ringgold, you went to Grace Academy. Did you expect you would be doing missions work? Or, like, what did you, what did you hope to do as, as, a, as a teenager?
1: Yeah. Um, well, when I was a teenager, um, well, when I was actually when I was in elementary school um, in church, brought up in the church, a good Bible teaching church, um, I do remember the Lord really speaking to my heart about possibly being a missionary when I grew up um and then as the years passed on like i just i wanted to be a mom i couldn't wait to be a mom someday and a wife um and just really support my husband wherever whatever yep. um he was going to do cool
2: yeah and i i mean the whole idea of being a missionary i think was so far removed from me as if i don't think it ever crossed my mind to be in any kind of ministry Anything like that? I, the earliest I remember having a desire—I was a nerd, and some things haven't changed. So the earliest thing I remember wanting to do was be a computer programmer in fifth grade. I was president of the computer club, so wow. yeah, it's pretty pretty special. And then as I got older, I, that changed to really wanting to be uh, an engineer and even a you know a, a professor in college. Um, but really, wasn't on my radar any kind of ministry. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, tell us about how did you come to faith in Christ then?
2: Yeah, uh, I actually met a girl uh, and started dating a girl that talked about God all the time. She mentioned God in in every conversation. That was such a foreign thing to me for someone to actually talk about it outside of Sunday, you know, and it was just like uh, just part of her everyday speech and communication. She would talk about God. Was this in high school? Yeah, it was in high school, and so... You know, through a series of circumstances, uh, I really just became convicted that, uh, you know, I didn't know who she was talking about really. And then I also had a guy, who was a friend of mine in high school, who came up to me one time in class, actually outside of class in the lunchroom, and he said, "Chris, tell me your testimony." He assumed I was a Christian, and I remember in that moment thinking, "I don't have a testimony." I, there's no testimony here you know so but I didn't want to disappoint him and I was embarrassed so I made something up like something I'd heard from somebody else like there was this revival at our church or something and I told it to him and he walked away apparently satisfied and that really bothered me because I didn't have a story of how the Lord had saved me and that stuck with me for a while and so the Lord both used both of those things and then just really a lot of questioning my life to bring me to a point of crying out to Him, a point of desperation. Uh, one time in my car, uh, driving, really quasi suicidal, uh, thinking that I would want to end my life, and I just cried out to the Lord, and He saved me that night. So,
0: so would you say that's a a good um, evangelistic method, just to just to go up to a classmate and say, "Tell me about your testimony. Tell me how you came to know the oh, Lord."
2: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you know. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a whole lot better than not saying anything, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it certainly made a huge impact on my life. You know, you might not want to make the assumption that somebody else is a Christian, but uh, it's certainly a decent question to ask someone because it will cause them to have to say something, you yeah. know, and it does uh, sort of imply that there is a story that everyone has to say or have yeah.
0: if in fact they are believers. So, yeah, yeah. And Joy, how did you come to know the Lord?
1: Yeah, so um, like I said, I was raised in the church um, and then went to a Christian school, went to Brainerd Baptist before I came here to Grace and I'm surrounded by believers and, um, you know, learned how to talk Christian, act Christian, um, didn't really know different. Um, So it was an easy transition for me, um, to try, you know, raise my hand as a little girl and say, yeah, I want to be saved and go to heaven and live with God forever. Um, and like I've, I've kind of learned throughout the years, I, I think I share a testimony with a lot of people, um, in this part of the, this part of the States, um, where I began to doubt in my, my middle school years, I began to really question, do I really believe what I I, said I believed when I was little and, or is this just something I've gravitated to because it's what my parents taught me? It's all I really know and hear about. Like, is this really my faith? Is this really what I believe? And so I probably wrestled for a good Mm -hmm. year and a half, um, and I we went and visited um, Woodland Park um, and went to the praise pageant there. And if you've ever seen, I don't know if they still do that or not, but it was a huge production back in the day and um, very centered on Jesus' life and his crucifixion and like um, an Easter Easter yeah. time yeah, kind it was thing? Yeah. Easter okay. Easter time and um, <clears throat> I remember just really like it's such a beautiful visual of who he what he what what his life was like on the earth and who Mm -hmm. he's who he is Jesus is king and so I I, at the end just remember um kind of my sin like my sinfulness just rising up within me and I've Mm -hmm. always you know I was always a good girl um my sin didn't stand out in a dramatic way like some friends testimonies but Um, but in that moment, it was like my, all of my sin just really was magnified up against this wonderful savior and perfect redeemer. And I, um, and in that moment, um, look back and, and really believe that's when I surrendered to him, my life to him and, um, and repented of my sin and realized I need you. I need you in my life.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, did you guys meet um, after high school?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How did you you guys meet?
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. We met on a football field.
0: Yeah, she was dating a
2: friend of mine, and he introduced her to me, and so yeah
1: <laughs> well y'all aren't good friends
2: what y'all
1: aren't good well friends. we worked
2: together we life carded together at a pool oh, okay. and we we, we knew okay. each other pretty well so uh, anyway <laughs> i i uh i guess i stole her from him you know but no she uh you know not through really. a series of circumstances um they ended up
1: yeah, not dating up.
2: anymore breaking up and he was
1: not the one for me that's right and i knew it <laughs>
2: And Before so, we
1: brought like yeah yeah, and then bre- the youth
2: bre- pastor at our church, and um, I guess the youth pastor's wife and and her older sister, Joy's sister they all
1: were scheming and told Chris yeah Joy and this guy broke up, and he received my phone number that day yeah, and then my sister came home and said have you gotten any phone calls lately yeah <laughs> mm, innocent question yeah so
0: <laughs> well good yeah. Uh, now you have three children, who I guess weren't able to be with you tonight. What are? Who, tell us about them.
1: Yeah, we're really disappointed they can't be here tonight. Um, our oldest, Emily, she is sixteen. She'll be seventeen in February. Um, she had her wisdom teeth removed yesterday, and so she's pretty miserable. Yep. Um, and so Anna, who is turned fifteen in October, um, she's she was stayed with her to entertain her take care of her and then Caleb who's nine got to stay with them yeah. so who knows what they're doing right. and, you know I say I'm sure I'm like they y'all take care of your sister they're probably there fighting or something <laughs> I usually <laughs> um,
0: now where did you uh stay in Chattanooga for college or did you go away for college what did you study I uh, I started at University of Georgia in Athens
2: and I oh, went to oh yeah, no and then I went to, I transferred to Bryan. Okay. I came to know the Lord, transferred to Bryan. I was actually doing a math major at Georgia. Everybody loves that, and then moved to Bryan uh, after I came to know the Lord and really just believe the Lord was calling me to study the Bible. That's okay. really all I knew mm-hmm. at the time. So. Yeah.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and I graduated here and went on to chattanooga state had to pay my way through college and at the time i was offered a scholarship or two with through with soccer but at that time they weren't paying very much so i had to just go to the community college which was great fun served its purpose but we i went for about two years for elementary education and chris and i got married this summer before his senior year at Brian. okay
2: so then moved to dallas and went to seminary in dallas
1: yeah yeah. okay very good and then
0: and then eventually you pastored a church in north georgia Mm -hmm. poplar springs yeah Mm uh was that pretty soon after dallas or yeah it was
2: relatively soon after dallas i mean i graduated i um i worked you know at a furniture company while i was going through seminary and then after that um started looking for ministry opportunities and went really you know straight from that to senior pastor at the church. But we did live
1: eight and a half years in Dallas. We were there for a good chunk of time, had our girls out there before we really knew where the Lord was leading. So you got all
0: the degrees from Dallas. Well, no,
1: (laughs) (laughs) it just, it got slower the
2: longer I went because once we had our kids, then I had to start working. So like the amount of school I could take did this and the amount I had to work did this, you know? So, yeah. Cool.
0: How, how long were you a pastor at Poplar Springs? How many eight, years? Eight years. Okay. And then it was from there you transitioned into what you're doing now, into missions. So yeah. tell us about that process. How did you come to a decision yeah. like that? What factors played in?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the more I studied the Bible, the more I became more and more passionate about missions, and, um, and also I, I was taking short-term trips along the way. And so, um, you know, I thought for several years that really the Lord would have me stay and mobilize missionaries to other parts. That was my role, I thought, as senior pastor. Um, One of the things that kind of was pressing on my heart all along the way was that I would visit these, you know, I visited Haiti and Guatemala and India and uh, various other places, and I would see pastors who didn't have any training. And I realized they didn't have an opportunity for training like I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I had wonderful training both in college and then in seminary, and they had no access to it whatsoever. Yeah. And so that started really pressing on my heart. And so by, uh, we, and we were sending out missionaries to other places. And I think every time I sent, we sent a family out from our church, mm-hmm. uh, we felt almost like you know we wanted to be the ones going some. Mm-hmm. But we just thought, okay, let's invest here and continue to send people out. And that became heavier and heavier on our heart until I eventually came to Joy and said, I think we really need to consider going to the mission field. One thing I would like to say here, I would just like to encourage everyone, uh, you know, especially where you are in life. I I think one thing that really changed the direction a little bit for me, too, is um, when I would go on a short-term trip, I would be, you know, in a context, and sometimes I would have the thought... Lord, if, if you called, would I be willing to go? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I was really honest with myself, I thought, I'm not sure I would be willing to go. When you're, it's one thing to say that sort of when you're stateside and whatever else. But when you're in a place that's hot and dirty and you're tired and things are not going that well or whatever, then to say, okay, would I really be willing to move here and live here? And that would, you know, what that would cause me to do then, I think it was an opportunity for sanctification because I would say to the Lord, like, okay, what is it in me that's preventing me from going? Is it fear? Is it mm-hmm. I, I have too much comfort, you know, or too, I hold on to comfort too deeply? What, what is it that keeps me from being willing to go? Mm-hmm. And I think it was really worthwhile to take the time and ask that question And then really go to the Lord with that and ask Him to change that in my heart. And I would encourage that for every person in this room that has the opportunity to go on a short-term trip. Use as an opportunity for sanctification in your own life. Because what I would say is, everyone, every believer needs to be willing to go. You may not be called to go, but you need to be willing to go. And I have people say this all the time. I think this is a really important point. People will say something like, I could never do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say, oh, you really have to be called to that, you know, to really want to go. And I would say, there's something behind both of those that's not quite right. One is, if you say to me, I could never do what you do, you don't realize how weak I actually am. Mm-hmm. Because if you saw how weak I am, you'd realize mm-hmm. anybody could go, mm-hmm. That's right. because <laughs> I'm really weak. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if you say uh you have to be called," that's true, but sometimes what you what you mean by that is some people just really want to do it, and other believers don't really want to do it or whatever. And what I want to say is, if there's something in you that would hold you back if the Lord called you, you need to go to work on that with the Lord to root that out so that you're ready. It may be a, you're holding on to some sort of idol or comfort or fear or something else in your life. And I think you need to always be ready to say, Yes, Lord, I'll go if you call. Mm-hmm. And even if you stay for, even if you live to be 100 and you never go, you need to be willing to go all that time. Mm-hmm. Because if, if there's something that's holding you back from being willing to go, that same thing will hamper your Christian life now. Wherever you are, and it will hamper your marriage. It will hamper your parenting. It will hamper your ability to walk out the Christian life, wherever that is. Even if it's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So
1: yeah. So Chris came to me and said, like he said, and said, I think we really ought to consider going. Um, And I told you before, the Lord had planted a seed in my heart at a young age to be a missionary. But here, he came to me when we were almost 40 years old and we have three kids and we're in a neighborhood and we're in a neighbor. we, we chose to move to a neighborhood that was going downhill and there were literally um, meth addicts walking through our yard to go get their drugs from our neighbor. And so we were being very intentional with our neighbors. Um, invited everyone over for an Easter thing, our entire neighborhood, other things, just really reaching out to our neighbors, would walk out when those drug addicts would walk through our yard and be like, hey, how you doing? I'm Joy, your neighbor, you know, and introduce ourselves and get to know them. Um, their kids would come over. Um, and so when Chris came to me and said, I really think we ought to consider going, I immediately said, nah, like now? Nah? like it felt like something like I was willing to do in the past I was younger you know a lot easier to go when you're younger single or newly married um, or kids are small Um, and so I said well you know I do know the Lord has placed that desire in me and I want to be willing to go so I we started taking the steps I said I'm willing to take the steps to see if he would have us go but I'm there's stuff going on here like I don't feel settled about this and so We started taking steps. The Lord clearly was directing us to go. I couldn't deny it. Um, But I remember laying in bed with Chris one night, just crying out, crying to him, first of all, saying, we have these two families. I was really involved with these two families and couldn't imagine walking away. I was like, Lord, isn't this missions? Like, we're doing missions right here in our neighborhood. And I'm investing my time and energy in these families. Things are happening, but not quite yet, and um and I remember just crying out to him that night, going to bed, like, I see you leading us here, but how do I walk away from what we're doing? And it was literally within weeks one family was evicted and had to move away, and the next one was evicted and had to move hmm. be moved away. And it was as if he took them off of my plate, so to speak, and said, "Now, joy, you're free hmm. to to go all in." Hmm.
2: And, and I would just say, I think, you know, it, it wasn't like, okay, I was a pastor and then I wanted a career change, you know, right. for me, it was all, it's all on the same line, uh, because, uh, I was a pastor mobilizing missionaries and now I've moved to a country to train pastors. And so for me, the, Pastoral experience was actually necessary to be able to train pastors, and so it's all really been along the same course Mm -hmm. that I see the Lord sort of leading us through this time. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like for folks here, you're saying study the Bible, Mm -hmm. um, go on short-term mission trips, be you know minister where you're at now, yeah, mm -hmm. and see where you can use your gifts.
2: Yeah, and and I think you know have this understanding like. (laughs) I don't say missions too much. Like we do missions conference or there's a missions trip, plural. I say mission trip, mission conference because in my view of the scriptures, we only have one mission. Everybody in this room that's a believer only has one mission and that is make disciples of all the nations. So what I mean by that is you need to become convinced that that is your mission to make disciples of all nations. Then the question becomes... Okay. If that is my mission in life, like everything else in my life falls underneath that, then my, the question is, how am I to live my life to fulfill that mission? So it, it, it really helps you, I think as a young person, if you're thinking, okay, career choice, okay? The top question is, what career choice would, given the talents, opportunities, resources the Lord has given me, what career choice could be, is most strategic for me in order to fulfill this mission? Or where should I live in order to fulfill this mission best? Or, you know, what should my daily life look like so that I can fulfill this mission best? Like, that's always the question. So for everybody in this room, so I think that's part of it too, is asking the question and
0: starting there will clarify the rest of your choices, I believe. Yeah. So specifically then for you guys, how did Bolivia become the place where you decided to utilize those gifts and tell us about that country and yeah. how you ended up there and what it is you spend your time doing there?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because when we started talking, we really wanted to go to uh, an area in the 1040 window or some place that didn't, we didn't feel like had uh, much access. We thought if we're going to pack up our family and our, our 40s and move somewhere, let's make it count somewhere. And so South America, in our minds, was kind of marked off the list because it's not sort of in this 1040 window of countries that are defined as unreached. Um, And so we started looking, we looked at Nigeria and Jordan and Nepal and uh, South Africa, we looked at various places. And then we went to an orientation at our missions agency, and we were sitting down at a table one time with the personnel director. SIM has 4,000 missionaries around the world, 70 plus countries. And the personnel director who is over all those missionaries came and sat beside us on the table, asked us our heart, asked us our story a little bit. And he said, have you considered Bolivia? I was like, I don't even know where Bolivia is, you know? (laughs) So no. Um, But he said, Mm -hmm. this is not on any of the ministry opportunities that we publish. Um, but I think you should give these, this team a call and you should have some conversations with them based upon what you just said. So we called the team, uh, when we went down there, we took a vision trip to Bolivia when uh, and visited, they mentioned a least reached people group called the Tacana, and they did not have anyone in that area to, to, you know, to actually
1: go. To actually
2: go. Yeah. Yeah. And so Joy and I listened to that meeting Meeting. And in that meeting, we just really both felt simultaneously, like we start crying. I mean, I started crying. I think Joy had tears in her eyes just in that moment realizing this is where we're supposed to go. Um, and we didn't know whether that would mean working in the city and sort of mobilizing missionaries from the city to go to the jungle or if that meant us going to the jungle. Having lived in the city and visited the jungle several times, we became convinced that mm-hmm. we need to go to the jungle because really the needs so great there yeah. and, so we and so
1: this past year we have spent really just committed to learn and sit and learn learn the culture um, the people it's very different from the city we lived in the city of La Paz for a year and fit for 15 months learning language and culture so when we moved to the jungle a year ago we kind of needed to their their accent or dialect it's a little different and so that was more challenging and then also um, the culture is very different. And so we needed to also just kind of learn what are the needs here mm-hmm. and how do we fit in. Mm-hmm. And so we've committed the the last, what well, was the first six months of the last year to learning and observing. And then the second part of that year, we really started to, it started to get a little more clear and narrowed in on how yeah. and what to do. Yeah.
0: So do you work with a team of missionaries? Like, are there a team, is there a team at least in the city? Mm-hmm. And but then as far as where you're at in the jungle, are you pretty much uh is it just you guys or do you have other teammates there? How does that work?
2: There there's a small team in the city of La Paz that we joined and they're technically our team. Mm-hmm. Um but we moved to the jungle, which is a forty five minute plane flight or a fifteen hour bus ride. So you take your choice there. Uh <laughs> Deathly Road on a bus for fifteen hours or forty five minute plane ride. Sorry. And so they're, they're, te- they're our Kids team in, in terms to. of checking in with us, but they're not, they're not actually with us <laughs> in that in that work so uh, our only our team now has become indigenous people people who actually live there that we've yeah. made relationships mm-hmm. with they do the work yeah. we're the only gringos we're the only white people on our side of the river for miles and i mean i don't know I don't know how far but that you would see and so everyone we stand out to everyone Mm -hmm. we're very different from everyone and we are alone in that except for these indigenous couples that we've met
0: are you doing mostly what you thought you'd be doing as far as training pastors and
2: yeah i think it's broader than i i expected i just sort of thought i would be exclusively training pastors but what happens is in missions there's kind of a scale like on the one hand depending upon how developed the church is in an area you can kind of narrow things down. You know, if a church is really somewhat mature or still growing, but there are plenty of churches there, you can really narrow in on what you're going to do as a missionary. But if you move toward the other end of the spectrum where you don't have very many churches at all, there's least reached communities, don't have the gospel at all, those kinds of things, it's a pioneer field. Then as a missionary, typically you end up doing a variety of things because I mean, you're the guy they come to if, you know, a guy came to me, he had a gash in his stomach. Well, I'm not a doctor, but here we go. You know, like here's this guy. And then there's, you know, need for the pastors to be discipled. So I'm working on that. But, you know, then there's...
1: They need Sunday school teacher or a um, babysitter. Like one night we were there and the pastor said, our wife's having her baby. Can we leave the kids with her? their other two children? We had just... We had only been there for a few weeks, and they dropped their kids off with us. And they end up spending the night. And <laughs> Little, what you are
0: going to say they ask you to deliver the baby. No. no, no, no. Not yet. I hadn't gotten there yet. I no. But even –
2: and then with these least-reached communities actually going and preaching the gospel in communities that don't have the gospel. So it's everything from evangelism to trying to help with limited medical needs or whatever mm-hmm. to, um, you know, evangelism in communities that don't have anything yeah. at all. So.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, there's lots of other things I would love to ask you guys, and, uh, but I know we probably need to get into our small group. So why don't we just, I'd like to pray for you guys. Thank thank you. You. Um, what what could we mention for, for prayer? Mm-hmm. Um, you're here in the States now, obviously, but you'll be transitioning back eventually. So maybe yeah. related to that or just prayer needs you have while you're here. Yeah, yeah
1: thank you. Our definitely just um, <clears throat> emotionally, Um, and mentally sort of the transition that make working to make the jungle our home the last year was a huge um endeavor yeah and so we got there it kind of felt like we finally got there we our kids when we were packing up to leave who had gone through all kinds of emotions um were sad to leave and so we knew okay you know we've that meant something as far as making that our home. Hmm. But then you pack up to come back to the States and all of the holidays and all of the comforts, you guys. like, I mean, sitting in your car in traffic, I know, is a real pain, but you have heat or AC <sighs> and a radio or an <laughs> iPad or a phone or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of comforts right there in your car while you're stuck in traffic or running through a drive through And so for us... It's just like, oh, this is like, when you talk, the kids talk about going to Disneyland and it's a whole fantasy world and you're in this other land and you forget reality. That's how, almost how we feel when we're here. Like we're coming to the States is like Disneyland by itself. And so our, we have to like emotionally, like enjoy it while we're here, but reserve that place in our hearts, like where we're going back. And there are a lot of real challenges in going back, and our kids have to say goodbye to people they love here. So all kind, like that way, praying in that way for our family and especially our kids, as y'all might imagine, like, you know, definitely pray for us in that way.
0: Okay.
2: And I just add real quickly that um, we we would pray for wisdom right now. Bolivia is on the verge of civil war. Yeah. Uh, you, I, I would just suggest read some about it It's really good to learn about what's going on In other other yeah. countries and all of that And so type in Bolivia and Google And click on news and read what's going on Right now but it's, uh, And that ju-
1: just happened since we got here Like it wasn't that way when we Ten left, days
2: after so. we got here It basically yeah. now has broken out almost in the Civil War And so they've evacuated our team in La Paz hmm. Because the embassy said U.S. citizens need to leave And so Um what that means for us in terms of trying to go back on January 6th when we're planning, we, we don't know. I mean, we couldn't go back today if we wanted to. And so we're as time, as days tick by here and the situation continues to deteriorate, there's some doubts whether we're actually going to be able to go back on January 6th or not. Um,
1: and while you may think like I just mentioned all the luxuries here and that we're enjoying them, our hearts are still there and so like we we've been tearful our whole family through this time of unrest and what they're talking about civil war we've been in tears over that as a family and we all of us including the kids wish we were there during this time of difficulty for with people that we love there and at the same time we're enjoying luxuries here and we enjoy being with our family here it's, it's just a real inside it's such a confusing yeah. hard thing to yeah. to iron out yeah. so. so
2: we just we need wisdom yeah. about okay if we don't go back on the sixth what is when do we go back and our agency will help us with that but then what do we do i mean it's just who knows right now they're yeah. besides the lord so just okay. pray for wisdom on that, least,
0: Yeah. all right Thank well you. let's pray now yeah. <clears throat> Father, we're glad for this time tonight, first of all, to gather for worship to you through our songs and through the scriptures mm-hmm. and through our discussion with one another, learning about your world, uh learning about uh what you're doing in the lives of Chris and Joy and their family, but also just uh the ministry that you've given to them um, and the way that that it that it does apply to us uh so lord just pray that we will learn uh what you'd have us to through this time and uh we do pray for them we we pray um for um the many emotions as joy mentioned that they're facing mm-hmm. as they think about uh their their time here and the the ability that they have now to hopefully be refreshed and be encouraged while they're here and and be comforted but, Lord, as they uh, are hearing of turmoil down in Bolivia, Lord, we uh, we pray for that country. We pray for the people there. We pray for uh, the unrest to be settled, mm-hmm. and we pray for peace. And uh, we ask especially for wisdom, for Chris and Joy as they try to navigate the coming days and weeks. We pray for wisdom, for... Uh, the, the agency, S.I.M., and, and those who are making decisions about um, when to send them back and when they might be able to go back and what they'll find when they go back mm-hmm. and, um, and just that all these decisions would be done in the best interest of, uh, of their family but also of the, um, the work that's going on there. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, we, uh, again, are glad for this time tonight. Uh, to be edified, to be educated, and uh, to be worshipful. And so thank you most of all for who you are. Thank you for the mission that you have given us. And Lord, we ask, make us faithful to it uh, in whatever way you would uh, see fit. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Hey, hey, I'm so sorry. I, I, I want to say one more thing. Uh, it's because I wish somebody had told me this when I was sitting where you are, and so I can't leave without saying it. I just think... Begin now, begin now, where you are, whatever age you are now, thinking and living in such a way that you are, are heading toward this goal of being all about this mission. And so there are decisions you're, you begin to make at your age that will impact your ability to be involved in missions later. So, for example, if you think about what college you're going to go to, one of the biggest reasons young people don't go to the mission field is because they have too much college debt. It's a decision you need to make ahead of time. A career that would allow you to get into some countries you can't get into, you need to think about that ahead of time. Right. The relationships you're making in churches with other people, those people later, you'll be shocked, may very well become supporters for you in mission. I have a fourth-grade teacher who, and a first-grade teacher who are my supporters now. Right. All of this is now. It's, it's for that day. And so begin living in such a way that your life is ready uh, to be involved in whatever way the Lord would call you in a mission. Yeah. I wish
0: somebody would have told me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, would you uh, thank them with me for being here tonight?